it as we walk through Psalm 67 together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, you give your children many blessings, even though we are undeserving. In every trial and temptation, grant us steadfast confidence in your loving kindness and mercy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And our Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah in the 56th chapter. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. And from Paul's letter to the Romans in the 11th chapter. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch, then, as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off 
because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that, they, that he may have mercy on all. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel from Matthew's gospel in the 15th chapter. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for gathering us together around your word to receive your gifts. And we pray for those who are far away and have maybe been kept separate from people and things throughout this day. And we pray that you continue to bring your word to them. We pray you guide us by your spirit, that you remove distractions from our hearts and minds. And let us rest in the promise of your mercy, which you have shown us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. As we come to this text, there's a couple of things we have to get out on the table because the setting of the text makes a huge difference. The 
place in Matthew's narrative makes a huge difference. And there's so many of these details that we just slide by a lot of times. And so we've got to be able to get a couple of these details out and in front of us. First off, remember, when you walk through any piece of biblical scripture, as opposed to unbiblical scripture, I guess, but as you walk through any piece of scripture in God's word, whenever details come up, you've got to slow down and stop and pay attention. Right? Our very first line of the text today, and Jesus left there. Obviously, there wasn't all that important, but if you read before that, you'd see that he was near the Sea of Galilee and teaching and healing and doing all kinds of wonderful things that Jesus does when people are around. But he left there and went to Tyre and Sidon. Very specific. Why is Tyre and Sidon so specific? First off, Jesus and any good Jew shouldn't be there. I mean, that's not a place of the people of Israel. That's a place against the people of Israel. In all quite honesty, it's a people that shouldn't exist. I mean, if you were to go back to Deuteronomy and then read again in Judges and then read again in Chronicles and then read again in Kings, God had directed his people to show no mercy to the people around Tyre and Sidon. All of the Canaanites and all of the other ites that were mentioned during that time, there should not be any people in that area other than the people of Abraham. See, Moses was to direct his people in that area and wipe out all the people that were there. And they didn't. Because, well, all honesty, the people were pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and they thought, you know, life with these folks may not be all that bad, and we're a little scared. They're a pretty big fighting force, and so we'll just wipe out most of them, not all of them, like God said. So first off, Tyre and Sidon shouldn't be a place where Jesus and his disciples are, and there shouldn't be a people there. But these are a people that would war against God's people quite often. And there are people that God continued to direct the Israelites to show no mercy to. So, there's that in the very first line of the verses for tonight. Jesus in the region of Tyre and Sidon and a Canaanite woman comes up to him. There's a beautiful poetry in the structure of Matthew's gospel in this area as well. If you remember from last week, we were hearing about Peter. Peter, one whom we would expect to have great faith, one who had seen Jesus do miraculous things, one who was there at every moment when Jesus was doing great things. And yet, as he's out on a boat and Jesus walks by and says, don't worry, it's me, he says, yeah, if it's you, prove it. Show me. Make me do something impossible like you can do, Jesus, because until then, I don't know if it's you. That's what we hear from Peter. And yet juxtapositioned next to that, I have no idea if that was the right word, but set in opposition to that almost, in this same scripture, we have a Canaanite woman who should show no faith or even know who Jesus is. Come and call him Lord, Son of David. Have mercy on me. Crying out to God for mercy, which she knows God wasn't supposed to show mercy to her people anyway. 
but calls out to this Lord, calls him by the right titles, trusts in who he is, knows exactly who this Jesus is and says, have mercy on me. My daughter is oppressed by a demon. The unexpected thing here is that Jesus is silent. Doesn't say a single word to her. Actually shows her no mercy. Does exactly what God directed His people to do in the very beginning. And doesn't even turn His head or give her an ear. And is silent. But nonetheless, in this moment, we have Peter, who we would expect to have faith, yet ends up sinking in the water, crying out for help. And we have this woman. We wouldn't expect to have faith, calling out for mercy, and for our Lord's help. And then, even a little broader, if we were to read more, this whole account of scraps that she's asking for falls right in the middle of two very large feedings. And whenever we see this sort of pattern, we have to remember that in the Hebrew mind and in the Hebrew poetry as they would write and structure things, whenever you see two similar things, look for the thing in the middle. So Jesus had just left the Sea of Galilee and had fed 5,000 people and women and children and they gathered up what? Twelve baskets full of scraps. Scraps that could have fed so many. Scraps that would have made everybody there content, yet they were already content. That scraps to gather up, scraps to hand out, scraps that could just flow and continue to feed people for a long time. Then they end up where they are, and right after this account, they go back to the Sea of Galilee. And they feed 4,000. Seven baskets full of scraps being gathered up after a minimal amount of food being handed out. But scraps upon scraps gathered after the children of Israel had been fed to the full. Been absolutely content on what Jesus had to give. And so in the middle of these two large feedings, in the middle of this opposition of one who should have faith and one who does absolutely have faith, we find this account about scraps. And as Jesus sits there and is silent towards her, she goes to cry out after the disciples. See, these are the disciples that just earlier Jesus had sent out into the towns to heal and cast out demons and do all kinds of work. And you can imagine that that word got out that not only was Jesus entire and Sidon, but the twelve that had gone around to all the houses of Israel to go and speak a good word of the gospel to them and speak forgiveness and also cast out demons and heal and do all the things Jesus was doing. They were with him too. So when Jesus was silent towards her, she goes to them. And they come to Jesus. Do something about her. Send her away. We shouldn't be showing mercy to her. God's always told us to not show mercy to these people, but would you send her away? She's hounding us now for things. And still Jesus doesn't talk to her. He looks at his disciples square in the eye and says, remember, I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not words that we expect from Jesus' mouth. 
In fact, this whole account is nothing that we expect from Jesus. We don't expect Jesus to just shun somebody who is crying out for mercy, especially when they call him by the right titles and see him for who he is. And we don't expect him to, again, say, no, I'm not here for everybody else. I'm just here for the people of Israel. Because we know all the Old Testament prophets that point towards a Messiah who's there to make the whole world right before God. In fact, we're reading that in Isaiah. Yet here he stands until she falls down on her knees in front of him, a form of worship, there at his feet, saying, Lord, help me. Not too far of a cry from Peter's words of, Lord, save me. But Lord, help me. And yet again, he doesn't even jump at the chance to help her and says, it's not right for me to give the children's food to the dogs. Again, words that we never expect to hear from Jesus' lips, but as he looks at the social setting of everything that's going on and puts these words out there to say, look, I've come for the house of Israel. My word is for the house of Israel, and it's not right for me to take that which I would feed them and hand it over to those who are unworthy of it outside of the people of Israel, outside of the children of God. And again, a, a very unexpected word, because I have a feeling if any of us heard those words from Jesus, we'd probably take some sort of offense. And yet she says, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs at the table get to eat from the scraps. Can you imagine that? Just looking for the one scrap, one crumb, one little bit that would fall off of the table to be absolutely content with, not looking for the whole meal, not looking for any of that, but knowing that one scrap or crumb that falls from our Lord would be enough to take care of everything. And there's a lot of times as we read through this account and see this account, we... Uh, might find ourselves not showing mercy, yet that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to show no mercy. In fact, we're called to show mercy. We might find ourselves in the disciples' shoes of not wanting to share that word with others, not wanting to do what Jesus has sent us to do. And in our sin, we find ourselves in those shoes, holding back mercy. Yet in our sin, we also find ourselves in the Canaanite woman's shoes of not deserving any mercy from God. And so in either place, we find ourselves in a position where we will end up crying out for mercy from God, looking for that one scrap from our Lord. But to be in that place where we cry out for our Lord's attention and all we hear is silence is difficult. It's difficult to sit in that place and still trust in the Lord who is God. It's difficult to sit in that place and wait for a word from God when it doesn't seem like anything is falling from the table at all, but yet we sit and wait. But why do we wait? We wait because he's made a promise. A promise that this Canaanite woman obviously had heard from the Old Testament prophecies. A promise that is made to not only the Israelites, but the Messiah would come through the Israelites for 
the world because God wanted to reconcile all to himself and reconcile all of creation so that all things would be made right between us and him. So that as we wait, we're not waiting on a Lord that we're expecting no mercy from. We're waiting on a Lord knowing we don't deserve mercy, yet he's promised mercy. He's promised grace. He's promised scraps to fall from the table so that we would be fed and content, knowing that he will fulfill his promises and knowing that he will feed us and has fed us and has shown us mercy by laying our sins upon Christ. And each Sunday as we come in here, to hear God's word and be fully fed by that word, to not live on bread alone, but by every word that falls from the mouth of God, to be fully fed by that word and then to see a beautiful little glimpse of what the feast of the resurrection will look like while Jesus is fully present in what look like table scraps and crumbs. To receive that fully, to be fully fed by that. And then we walk out and times we can't let scraps fall from that full meal given to us. It's hard as we walk through each week, seeing those around that need help. And oftentimes we do. Those little words that flow from our mouths by God's guidance that are just the right word for somebody or the time that is sacrificed to sit with somebody through something as we wait for a word of direction in health or as someone loses a loved one or whatever the case is, in all of those moments, you guys do show little crumbs of mercy. You do as you walk through life with folks and you get to share God's word with them because you are so full of what God has given you in Jesus that it overflows. And those little crumbs are tasty. Think... You ever been to a white tablecloth restaurant? It's really beautiful and you get the really good bread that's really crusty and flaky and you break it open. And then right after they've given you the bread and before another course comes and you're about to go for one of those flakes that's on the table, they bring out the little scraper and scrape it all away so that you have a clean table. It's very different than when you have that same loaf of bread brought over by a friend sitting around the table. And it's broken. And you get to eat. And as you wait, and talk, and you see that little flake sitting there, what do you do? Lick your finger and pick up that little crumb off the table and eat it, right? Because it's so good, that little bit that falls, and that's what we get. As God feeds us fully in his word and fully in Jesus' presence, yet in this time as we interact with one another, those little crumbs of mercy continue to fall, and those little crumbs are oftentimes all that we need. As God works through our family and friends, as God works through his people to take care of his people, to speak those words of mercy that need to be spoken. Because there was a time and place where God directed people to show no mercy, but that time is not now. Now is a time where he says, go scatter the crumbs. Go scatter the scraps that fall from your table as I continue to show mercy through you to others so that they might know of my love. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scraps which you have let fall from the table so that we would be counted as your children. We pray that as you lead us in life, that you continue to give us opportunity to share of the meal which you give.
the meal of your word that you so fully feed us by, so that more and more would know of your love for them. Guide us, Lord, by your Spirit. Lead us in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise.